Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so pumped to have Sarah Cornelius from Cake Over Steak joining me on the show today. Sarah is a self-proclaimed food blog and cookbook junkie, but above all, she is an artist. Where many food blogs have super stylized photography that follow their recipes and posts, Sarah illustrates many of the featured images on her blog, Cake Over Steak, and they are crazy cool. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Well, Sarah, you have a very interesting day job. Can you tell us what you do? Sure. What I'd say is that I create custom hand etchings on gravestones. And you might think, well, what the heck does that mean? (laughs) Which is what I thought when I heard about this job opening, because I had never seen this before. I knew that this was an actual job that real people have until I was told about the opening. So essentially, I illustrate pictures on granite with the Dremel tool. But we also have a laser machine that can laser etch, you know, photo quality images because it kind of works like a laser printer, but it's actually laser etching the granite. So I also create all the files for that and operate the laser. So we do actual pictures on some or we use that to do text sometimes. But the more fun part of my job is I create really custom scenes and things for people, which... Around here usually involves deer and cabins and tractors and or lighthouses and beach scenes. So it's really neat. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some really intricate sort of designs and they can get really complex looking. And I was curious, like, is it all computer done or is it like, you know, how you see in movies where you use like a hammer and a sickle to sort of like chip away the granite? Yeah. And for most of the text that we do, we sandblast that. And a lot of that is done by machines and just like rubber stencil that's put over it. But we also have a guy out in our sandblasting shop that hand carves roses. Not so much with like a chisel because granite's way too hard. That's more something you do with marble because it's softer. But he uses a special sandblasting tool where he can actually shape the granite into these deep cut roses. And my boss says that he's the best guy on the East Coast for doing that. And he is really talented. So that's like a whole other kind of art aspect at my office that he does. Yeah, I mean, you would never expect artists, like you see them on the stones and you see how beautiful they are, but you never imagine people actually doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's really funny because now that I'm in this industry, when I see old graveyards, I get really excited and I like creepily go look at it, especially the really old stuff. Like I love seeing the designs from the 20s and the more art deco kind of designs. But yeah, you just get this whole new appreciation for it as a craft. For sure. Well, how did your journey from being an illustrator and designer lead you to starting Cake Over Steak? Well... When I got the idea to start a food blog, well, it's funny because at first I started reading food blogs and I thought, well, this is really cool, but I would never do this. (laughs) You know, there's no way I would ever do this. And then I guess slowly over time, I thought, well, maybe I could do this. And it seems like such a nice way to kind of record your life. And I liked how 
people could weave a story about their life into a post with a banana bread recipe or, you know, the more that I read and you see how people put their own personality into them and you get to know these people through their blog. And I thought, well, maybe this would be something fun to do. But I thought, I can't come up with my own recipes and I'm not a photographer and I would want to have good photography. And then I realized, duh, I'm an illustrator, (laughs) you know, so I could do the illustrations. But then I thought, well, I still wanted to have photos. (laughs) And it took a while for me to actually start it because it took me like two years to come up with the name for my blog. So that was holding me back for a while. But then I started dating my husband and he's a photographer and I convinced him to take my photos for me. (laughs) And it's funny because we got engaged like two months or so before I actually launched the blog, but I had already been working on it for a couple months behind the scenes. And that was kind of funny because when we got engaged, I thought like, okay, then I know I have a photographer for my blog for long term. So, you know, it's not just I'm gaining a husband, I'm gaining a full-time blog photographer until he gets totally sick of it and forces me to take my own. But I told him he has to teach me before he totally bows out if it comes to that. Right. And how's the situation right now? Is he solid? He's pretty solid. But he started his own blog back in June. So sometimes it's a push and pull where, you know, he wants to go work on his blog post. And I say, well, I need those photos for my post later in the week, you know, so you have to work on those. But he's a really good sport about it. And I feel like people don't realize how much a saint he is unless you would witness one of our photo shoots together. Because I'm a total control freak, and I think that because I'm not in control of the photography as much as I would like to be, it can be so frustrating for me. And, you know, if the lighting's not good in the one afternoon that we have to do it, and I'm like, I don't understand. There's light on the table. Why can't the camera take this picture that I see in my head? But he's really good about it, and, you know, he does an amazing job. So I'm really glad that he does. Well, I was just going to ask you, you know, how is it like working with your spouse? Because, well, I've never worked with my wife on a professional level, but, you know, it must be challenging because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings about certain things. And then, you know, there's always the, you know, I'm going to get you back with something else later <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we do a good job of it. And with us both being artists, but totally different kinds of artists. We can feed off of each other really well and not be too competitive with each other because we're both very competitive people. For example, I never say I'm done with one of my illustrations until he sees it and doesn't have anything for me to change. And when he's working on one of his crazy composite photography images, he doesn't call it done until I've seen it either. And, you know, we're always asking each other for advice and He shows me Photoshop tricks for my illustrations, which I do mostly digitally and things like that. But also when you're in a relationship with someone like that, you know, I can tell him exactly what I think and know that he's not going to freak out on me and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the major bonuses is that, you know, you have someone to bounce ideas off of and you know that it's not personal. It's just sort of they really want what's best for the end product anyways. Yeah, and I think we're kind of brutally honest with each other. And I know sometimes I get frustrated with him because I want something to be done, but I know that he's right. And it's like, well, I just I just want this to be done. You know, I wish you just liked it how it was. But then once I fix it, it's like, okay, I know you're right. You know, it's better now. Right. 
Was there always a connection between food and artistry for you? Or did this sort of evolve once the blog started? I would say it evolved in college, I guess. I didn't get really into food until college. I've always been into art, like for as long as I can remember. That's It's kind of just always been a part of me. And food, I started getting into near the end of college when I moved off campus and had my own apartment and my own kitchen and had to feed myself. And I think needing to feed myself in my brain is like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this really well, you know? And I've always loved baking and I was never super into cooking like real food. But I think that's because I just have such a sweet tooth that I've never been that into real food, or at least I thought I wasn't. I don't think I found the foods that I really loved until college when I was introduced to them. You know, like you discover new things when you meet all these new people and you're in a new place and everything. So yeah, that started to grow in college. And then for my like junior thesis project, I did a cookbook. But I mean, it wasn't actually a cookbook. It was you like pretend you're doing this big project and you do two to three pieces for it. So I did it as a cookbook and I did some food paintings and they're actually hanging in the kitchen in my parents' house. And then my senior year for one of my graphic design classes, I did actually design a cookbook. So I started moving it into my college projects. And then when I graduated, before I had the job I have now, I worked at our local newspaper. So that's not really related to food at all. And I was so burnt out from college that aside from my job, I kind of took the other areas of my life off from art because my senior year was so intense. And I started my full-time job three weeks after I graduated. So it was just no stopping. And I gave my brain a break from art for a bit, which I think was really good choice. And instead, I would just like bake cookies. So, you know, I did get to indulge in that other passion. But slowly, you know, I started thinking more and more about doing the food blog and what that would be and what I wanted it to be like. And eventually it turned into what it is now. So I guess your passion for food really evolved as you had to start cooking for yourself and sort of met different people in college and things like that. Was there anybody in particular who sort of influenced your cooking and the food that you make? I think if there's a real person that I know, (laughs) it would be my really good friend Jackie from college. She was always really into cooking. And I remember thinking, that's so weird. (laughs) Because even though my mom always had a home-cooked meal for us at home you know like almost every night you know family sits down for dinner and you know it's homemade and everything like that my mom didn't love cooking and she still doesn't I think she might have if we hadn't been such picky annoying children and I really feel for her now looking back on that but yeah my friend Jackie was really into it and I started cooking with her every now and then in college And actually, when I first started becoming friends with her, it was my freshman year. I went to school in Philly, and that day she had walked to the Italian market, which is kind of a long walk, just to buy a rolling pin because she wanted to bake a pie. So I met up with her when she got back, and she said, hey, I'm going up to the penthouse in the dorm to make a pie. Do you want to help me? So I said, sure. And then... My best friend and roommate at the time came up to join us and a couple other friends. And we ended up going outside to eat this pie 
and we brought ice cream and some other things. And it was as the cherry trees were blooming and we sat under them and just ate this pie in the dark. And that was the night that we all became really good friends. So then every year after that, we celebrated our pie night and we would have pie and ice cream when the trees bloomed. So that was really cool. So I'd say she was the first person I knew who really loved cooking that kind of influenced me and she rubbed off on me. But then once I started reading food blogs, I think it was really the food bloggers that got to me. Have you had a chance to cook for your friend? Yes, I think so. Was it intimidating or was it sort of an enjoyable experience? Oh, no. No, that's true. I have cooked for her because my senior year, I lived in the apartment above her and we would just keep our doors open and kind of go back and forth. It was almost like we had a house, but separate floors. So a lot of times I would make us pancakes on the weekends or she would make something for dinner and invite me down and stuff like that. Or if I randomly made cookies on a Saturday night or something like that. So yeah, I've definitely cooked for her. Well, you clearly have a love of food. And you'd mentioned that food bloggers and friends are a strong influence on sort of your love of food. With the internet, food blogs, podcasts, and social media, there are so many sources of inspiration. Everything always sounds and looks so good. How do you decide what to actually cook? Sometimes a recipe just grabs me so much that I literally put it on my to-do list. And like, if I know I can't make it that day, I'll think, okay, well, I have this going on that night, but I have this day off and I could make this then. And I'll put it on my to-do list for that day. I'm very type A in case you can't tell. No, I mean, if you want something, you get it done, right? Yeah, (laughs) but sometimes it gets pushed back and then it never happens and yeah. But then other ones, it's kind of like the luck of the draw where I have everything in my kitchen to make it or something like it. And then it's like, oh, that's what I'll make for dinner tonight. I think for me, most of the times it's what's in the fridge and then I'll go on the internet and I'll search for, you know, what to make with carrots, celery and zucchini or something. (laughs) So yeah, it's very much an internet search thing for me anyways. Well, here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dinner dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dinner dish that is special to you and why is it so special and maybe a little bit about the story behind the dish? My favorite dish to make at home is pizza. (laughs) And I was thinking about this because I did know you would ask this question. My mom did used to make pizza sometimes and it was always one of my favorite things that she made. But it was more of like a once or twice a year kind of thing. Because the dough she would make would have to rise like all day long. So it would be like a Saturday. But ever since I lived on my own after college, I've been making pizza a lot. But it is also special to me because when I started dating my husband, Robert, one of our very first dates, we made dinner together and we made pizza. And Robert's dad is a chef, my father-in-law. And so Robert actually grew up in a pizza shop for the beginning of his life. So we made his father's pizza dough. But it was just like, that was a really fun night for us. We really just kind of talked about a lot of stuff, you know, where you really go deep and get to know this new person that you're dating. But it was also one of the times that I first laughed the hardest with him because, you know, when a dough is rising and they tell you to punch it down, Well, (laughs) Robert is a cook, like a fly by the seat of your pants kind of cook. 
having grown up with a chef for a father. And I grew up with a mom who basically only ever cooks from recipes and me loving baking. So I was more of a baker. So we're making this dough and he had never made it before. And he wasn't sure if it looked right, but it had risen a bit, but it looked kind of funny. And so I'm holding the bowl of dough and I said, well, punch it, <laughs> meaning punch it down. But he just straight up punched the crap out of this dough and I almost dropped the bowl and I just lost it. I just almost peed my pants laughing because I was laughing so hard. But it was just one of those moments, you know, where everything falls away and you're just having a really good time and let your guard down. And yeah, we make pizza all the time now, but we use the recipe from the Smitten Kitchen cookbook, which is one of my favorites. But I love her dough because you turn the oven on to warm for like five minutes and then turn it off and you let the dough rise in there for only half an hour. So we can decide we want pizza after work and then have pizza like an hour later. And the dough is really easy to work with. It's not super sticky. It like stays pushed out when you stretch it out in the pan. Do you know how a lot of doughs will shrink back on themselves? Hers doesn't do that. So that's my favorite. And if you were to make this pizza, is there something from your blog that you would make as a dessert or something to have after the pizza? Yes, but I think I have to save that for later because that goes into my last meal. Sure. I can wait. But I was just going to say, the kitchen is a great place to sort of leave your guard down, sort of, and just sort of connect with people because you guys are doing something together and it's very hands-on and everyone's making mistakes or everyone's just like messing about. And it's just a good way to meet people and really develop friendships, I've found anyways. Yeah, there's always something to do, you know, so if it gets a little awkward, you can say, chop this or go over there and wash my dishes (laughs) or something. I agree. Well, if you could invite any three famous people over for your pizza, who would they be? Well, right now I'm deep into this podcast about Gilmore Girls, the TV show. Just with that on the brain, I think it would be really fun to invite over the actresses who play Lorelai, Rory, and Suki. Oh, cool. Melissa McCarthy, right? Yeah, Melissa McCarthy, Lauren Graham, and Alexis Bledel. Wow, you would bring together like a Gilmore Girls reunion at home. <laughs> yeah, plus they all love pizza, or at least on the show they do. They're always eating pizza. Maybe that's why I like the show so much. They're just always eating junk food and pizza. Well, let's say you were to do a dinner and a movie. What movie would you pair with this dish? Maybe I Love You Man with Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. Okay, yeah, I've heard of it, but I've not watched it. Okay, that's one of my favorite movies. It's really, really goofy, like most Paul Rudd comedies, but there's something about that one that just gets me every single time, and I love every scene in that movie. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I call the next part of the dinner special podcast The Pressure Cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that listeners want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? Yes, I am. Okay. Number one. Which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? I don't watch many, but last year when I got my tonsils out, I became obsessed with Mad Hungry with Lucinda Scala-Quinn. I don't think the show's technically on anymore. I think you can find a couple of them on Hulu, but I think almost all of the recipes are on YouTube, though. Okay, I'll definitely have to check that out. I've not heard of that show. Yeah, you should check it out. 
Number two, what are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? Definitely Food 52. I mean, you're talking about what to make for dinner. I feel like they have a knack for posting a recipe that uses everything I have in my kitchen, and then I make it for dinner. So that's one of, one of my favorites. I mean, I follow so many. It's ridiculous. Smitten Kitchen, obviously. I also love the Faux Martha, Cookie and Kate, Love and Lemons, Sprouted Kitchen, Yellow Table, Minimalist Baker, Joy the Baker. The list goes on and on. <laughs> yeah. Find me on Blog Lovin' and then you can see all of the ones that I follow. There's like 200. Wow. Cool. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, or Twitter that make you happy? Okay. Every morning I check in with a couple Instagrams and I feel like this is going to make me sound like a total creeper, but my two favorites involve people with children. The one, her name is Mama's Gone City, Theo and Bo. She's like a mommy blogger person, but... Her family adopted a puppy like a year ago, and this dog naps with her two-year-old son every day. Oh, I've seen stuff like that, and it's just like cute overload, right? Oh, God, it's so cute. But now the dog is so big, I think he's part Mastiff or something. He's a total mutt. But she just had another baby, so now she has a new hashtag, which is Theo and Evie. And it's the dog with the baby, but also with the son that he's like best friends with. But it's so cute. And then also the food blogger, Bev Cooks. She had twins like a year ago, a boy and a girl. And she posts really great pictures of them every day. But she also has hilarious captions. So that's one of my favorites. Awesome. Number four, what is something all home cooks should have in their pantry? I think everyone should have a microplane zester. Because if you've ever tried to zest a lemon or whatever without one, it makes me want to kill myself. But those make it so easy. And they're also the best for grating like Parmesan cheese. Number five, name one ingredient you cannot live without. Chocolate? White chocolate, dark chocolate, what percentage? Milk chocolate. Well, I guess with baking, I use more semi-sweet, but... Flavor-wise, I love... There's this Icelandic chocolate bar or something they sell at Whole Foods that I used to get in college, and I think my favorite was like 33%. Okay. I'm going to search out for this Icelandic chocolate bar with 33% cocoa. Oh, it's great. It comes in this plain white paper. It looks really nondescript, but it's two layers of chocolate. So it's technically two bars, and they're pretty big. They have all these little squares, but they have a couple different percentages. And I liked the 33 and the 55. Cool. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Well, I already mentioned the Smitten Kitchen one. I love that one. I love Keys to the Kitchen by Ida Mollenkamp. That's one of my all-time favorites. It just has so many great recipes. My favorite pesto is from there. But that one's fun because each recipe teaches you a technique. But it's also kind of like a riff on a classic. So if you wanted to do just a basic recipe, you could leave out some of the crazy seasonings or whatever. But it also gives you a new interesting take on it. So I think that's a really great one for a beginner cook who's a little adventurous. And then another one that I turn to a lot is one of the first cookbooks I ever got. And it's called 
fast, fresh, and green. And it's all about cooking vegetables. But it has it broken down by cooking technique. And within each chapter, it gives you a breakdown of, you know, if you're using this vegetable, cut it to this size and do it for this time for this method. But has a bunch of great sauces and different ideas for things. So I turn to that a lot. Yeah, I love cookbooks where you actually learn a technique and different things rather than solely a recipe. Because I mean, once you learn a technique and sort of integrate that into, you know, any recipe, pretty much. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I love about trying new recipes is because you almost always learn something and then I can use that to come up with my own version later or to improvise something and think, oh, well, I remember doing this for that. We could try that here or swap this for that and, you know, something like that. Right. And finally, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? Probably Dean Martin's Greatest Hits. I really love the Rat Pack old style stuff. And I think that makes me want to chill out in the kitchen and cook up some really good pasta or something. A glass of wine. (laughs) Awesome. Well, congratulations, Sarah. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. (laughs) Thank you. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. You're all over social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted on what you're up to? Well, there's always my blog, cakeoverstate.com. And then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, mostly. I pin a lot of recipes to Pinterest. I'm not super interactive on there. I mostly just hoard recipes on it. And, oh, and also Facebook, facebook.com slash cakeoversteak, I think is what it is. And then my other social media handles are all Sarah underscore Cornelius underscore. So I think that's it. Awesome. Well, before I let you go, I have one final question. What's next? You know, it's crazy. I was just looking at my blog schedule, you know, my tentative blog schedule, and I feel like I have half of 2015 already planned out, which is crazy because it's like, how am I supposed to fit new stuff in there? And it's also crazy to think that I'll be blogging for another year and how quickly that might pass. But I think for now, I'm just going to be focusing on making my blog as good as I can make it, you know, with it being the side project that it is, but without driving myself insane. But it should be easier this year because I'm not also planning my wedding. So I'm going to be trying to have fun with my blog, but also relax a little bit more. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.